Well, I do hope everyone had a wonderful 4th of July holiday this past week. It always throws things off a little bit when a holiday falls in the middle of the week, right? Cutting off the work week, not sure which holiday weekend to take. Maybe got both. <laughs> but no matter how you celebrated, I'm sure it was filled with backyard barbecues and neighborhood gatherings, parades, and of course, fireworks. Did anyone here happen to run the Peachtree Road Race? We had a couple at the 9.30 service. Nobody here, no runners in our 11 o'clock crowd. All right, had a few earlier. It was always a great tradition for many folks in Atlanta. I've run it a number of years, skipped out this year, but I've run it a number of years. It always made me feel a little bit better when I went to the barbecue later that day. I had burned my calories, I could indulge just a little bit. The focus of this holiday, obviously, is on celebrating our country, our, our independence, the freedom we share as Americans. It's an opportunity to be reminded of our national identity and to be united together as citizens of a common nation. We pause on this day in July every year to remember our past, to see how far we've come. And I do hope that we consider as well the work we have still to do, to be the land of the free and the home of the brave for all people. While we are far from a perfect nation, we still take this, year, this day every year to declare we are proud to be Americans and we fly our flag high. After all, the flag, right, is our main symbol, a sign of who we are, our identity as a country. It points to our past, right, with the 13 stripes reminding us of the 13 original colonies, and then our present with the 50 stars, the 50 current states that are so diverse, not just in topography and climate, but in culture. Have you ever moved to a different part of the country? Yes. <laughs> Did you feel like you were in a different country? <laughs> right, we are vastly different, but united under the flag. It's the way we identify ourselves to the world. I mean, the Wimbledon tennis tournament is going on right now. If you turn it on or want to check the scores, each player is identified by their name and their country's flag. When the Olympics roll around, the role of flag bearer is, is a great honor, and, and countries take time and care to consider which athlete will be the one to carry the flag for the world to see a representative of their nation. Soldiers go into battle following their flag, reminding them of who and what it is that they are fighting for. And when a soldier dies, the flag is then given to their family, a reminder of the sacrifice they made for a greater cause. The flag... It may just be a piece of fabric, but it is admired and respected. Flags have that kind of, of power, right? With just the wave of a flag, those who carry it are identified, 
not just by the place where they are from, but the ideas that they hold. A place of a nation's flag, it's not without controversy, especially here in the South. We're quite familiar with the place of the Confederate flag, part of our history. Now, I was a history major in college, and I did a lot of study around Civil War history and read a number of firsthand accounts and letters and diary entries of those Confederate soldiers who, following the war, said the flag should be put away, never unfurled again, for the war was lost. (laughs) And now we move forward as a new nation with a new sign, a new symbol. That doesn't even go into some of the the racist undertones of the Confederate flag that it continues to bear today. In fact, just this past week, there was a news story from Dallas, Georgia, just down the road from here, of a a family who called on a, a repairman to come do some work at their house. And when the repairman showed up, he arrived in a pickup truck with the Confederate flag a waving. The family that had called for his services was an African-American family. They met the man, greeted him out on their front lawn, and engaged in polite conversation with him to let him know that they would not be using his services that day. The whole interchange was caught on their doorbell cam, so if you want to take a look, you can search it out, but they simply said, "We, we just can't. Allison Brown, the the wife, wrote to the contractor. They had hired him off of Facebook, and so she wrote him on that Facebook page, and she said this, I understand it is part of American history, but that flag stood for a time in history where people such as myself had a very bad way of life. The few minutes I got to speak with you, I saw nothing that represents that flag. I saw a very respectful young man that works very hard to make his way. And so she encouraged him to do some research on the flag to better understand just what he was saying to a variety of people by having it fly. The flags we raise make a statement to those around us. Now, the American flag is obviously not beloved by all who see it. People within our nation who feel they've been wronged or unjustly treated, and those outside of our nation. There may be flags of other countries that when you see them, you have not the best feeling based on your experiences or the experiences of those you love. But we still raise our flag. It means something to us and for us. It's a declaration we want to make. I am an American. So we say with the flag, all the good and all the bad, I am a citizen of the United States. It's part of who I am. It's part of who we are. As a people of faith, however, there's another flag that we raise. I scooted it out a little bit this morning. 
But I don't know if you've noticed it before, it's the Christian flag. The maker of the flag had this to say about it. The ground of the flag is white, representing peace, purity, and innocence. And the upper corner is a blue square, the color of the unclouded sky, emblematic of heaven, the home of the Christian. Also a symbol of faith and of trust. In the center of the blue is the cross, the ensign and chosen symbol of Christianity. The cross is red, typical of Christ's blood. Now, the Christian flag is a fairly new thing. It was birthed at the turn of the 20th century, but quickly adopted and embraced by denominations across the world. You can go into churches, Methodist, Baptist, Lutheran, Mennonite, any church across our country, across Latin America, across Africa and Europe and Asia, and you will see the Christian flag. A unifying sign and symbol for all people of faith that their citizenship belongs not in a nation, but in a kingdom. As with any other flag, it carries depth and meaning beyond just its symbolic colors and images. Those who raise the Christian flag are making a declaration to the world about who they are. Now, I know Paul didn't have this flag to fly on his ships as he went on his missionary journeys. But if he did, I think his words from his letter to the church in Ephesus would pair quite nicely as he raised this flag. Hear what he had to say in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with the 11th verse. So remember that once you were Gentiles by physical descent, who were called uncircumcised by Jews who are physically circumcised. At that time, you were without Christ. You were aliens rather than citizens of Israel and strangers to the covenants of God's promise. In this world, you had no hope and no God. But now, thanks to Christ Jesus, you who once were so far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Christ is our peace. He made both Jews and Gentiles into one group. With his body, he broke down the barrier of hatred that divided us. He canceled the detailed rules of the law so that he could create one new person out of the two groups, making peace. He reconciled them both as one body to God by the cross, which ended the hostility to God. When he came, he announced the good news of peace to you who were far away from God and to those who were near. We both have access to the Father through Christ by the one Spirit. So now you are no longer strangers and aliens. Rather, you are fellow citizens with God's people, and you belong to God's household. The word of God for the people of God. 
Thanks be to God. Now, Paul, Paul was writing to the Ephesians in the midst of their disagreements about who belonged, who could be a part of their community, and how those who wanted to be could join in. And this was a great debate between the Jews and the Gentiles, those who had been a part of God's chosen people and those who now had opportunity through Christ. And that's just how they saw it, right? We've been there. So if you want to come in, well, there's a few things you need to do first. Might need to act like us. Talk like us, live like us, believe like us. You want to wave this flag? Well, there's a list of requirements to do so. But Paul, Paul saw it all differently, and he wanted them to as well. He said, first, to declare yourself a citizen of the kingdom of God, it's not a result of, of your birthright. It's not a result of anything you have done, whether ritualistically, like circumcision, or even marrying into the fold. You don't gain citizenship by moving somewhere, or taking some test, or even making a promise or a pledge. To declare yourself a citizen of God's kingdom is solely the work of Christ. The work of Christ in you and in the world. Through Christ, all people have been ushered into this new kingdom, this new reality, this new citizen identity. And as a result, they are invited to raise a different kind of flag. And this new reality, this new kingdom is just that. It's new. To be a citizen in the kingdom of God is not about joining in to something that already exists. To be a citizen in the kingdom of God is something altogether different, a new way of living and being in the world with others. For Paul's audience, that meant that the Jews needed to resist the urge to assimilate the Gentiles into their way of being. The Gentiles could not become Jews any more than the Jews could become Gentiles. Instead, they needed to find a new way together, a new way of being, a new way of existing together. A common identity. A common Citizenship, not in a state or a nation, but together in God's kingdom. And when they do this, as, as a result, this new kingdom brings about this new kind of citizenship. One that doesn't care what you look like, what language you speak, where you come from, how you got there, or even if you like the people that you are there with. As a citizen in this kingdom, you are not united in, in who you are or who you aren't. You're not united in what you believe or what you don't believe. You are united in Christ. 
That's it. United in Christ, the one who tore down all barriers, who broke down all walls and said, let people come to me. In his death and in his resurrection, we are reconciled to God, forgiven and set free to be in relationship with God and with all God's people. And Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, he names this reality of citizenship. He names it as peace. To raise this new flag is to send a message of peace. And we have a lot of different understandings of peace, right? Calmness. Stillness, quiet, maybe even civility. But peace, this peace that he talks about, it's not about getting rid of hostilities. It's not about the disappearance of of enmity. It's not about making a truce or calling a ceasefire. It's not even about coexisting with those from whom you are estranged. No, this peace This peace that we live in is simply oneness with Christ. Peace is seeing Christ in every person we encounter and treating them as such. Peace is saying, God loves me and God loves you. Peace is saying, I don't care what country's flag you fly. Because together we are united under a different flag, as citizens of a different kingdom, as a people united by God's love in Christ, a people of peace. And so we live in this tension. We live in this tension between the flags that we fly, the flags we raise, that we are proud to be an American, to raise our nation's flag, and at the same time, proud to be a people of faith, to be citizens of God's kingdom. And a lot of times those go well together. We can can live together as a people of a nation and a people of faith. But then there are other times, right, when they live in tension. Recently there's been a lot of discussion and debate and argument about immigration in our country, right? We have laws that we must follow. We have laws for a reason, and they must be followed. But we have laws under this flag as well. Well, really just two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, 
and love your neighbor as yourself. And so we ask, how do we live carrying both these laws? It's my understanding that just as the Christian flag must fly higher than our nation's flag, so must our laws of faith supersede those of our nation. Not that we are called to break those laws, but to carry them first. What does that look like? Well, it looks like maybe the United Methodist Committee on Relief, UMCOR, we call it. Part of your gifts, your offerings as a church go to support UMCOR, who seeks to be on the ground in places in need of relief. Over the past three months, UMCOR has delivered 46,128 hygiene kits to shelters along the border. Recognizing that there are issues to deal with with our immigration laws, but that will not prevent us from loving our neighbor. Another organization called Together Rising raises money and it is using that money to fund the legal fees for the immigrants coming in. Legal fees for lawyers to try and reunite families that have been separated. To do so in a legal way, to follow the laws, but recognizing that within that, we are called to love. So we live in this tension between the flags that we raise. What do we say to the world? Who are we as a people? As we raise both of these flags and seek to live in that tension, to name it, to live into it, to recognize that we're going to mess up, that we're going to break some of this and we're going to break some of this along the way. But that if we are people who are raising our flags, we will do so, not just as citizens of a nation, but as citizens of God's kingdom together. Will you pray with me? A holy and gracious God, Lord, we give thanks for our country. We give thanks that we are citizens of the United States of America. And we give thanks that we are able to raise our flag. But just as we do, Lord, we pray that your spirit would move in us and around us. 
that we may just as powerfully, just as courageously raise our flags of faith. That we would boldly live in this tension and seek to be the people you have called us to be in this time, in this place, right here and right now. Your people. People of love, people of light, a people united in Christ, forging a way of peace together. All this we pray in the name of Christ, our peace. Amen.